So welcome back everybody to Spirit Talkers. It's Jay. We hope you liked that last episode about mimicking spirits. If you have any stories, go ahead and send them our way and we'll read them on the show. I think we have some listener stories. Yeah, I've got a good one from Derek Morris, a friend of the show. He sent in a story about a ghost cat. This is a uh, audio clip, which um, let's see if I can get this to play. My name is Derek, and this is a little story I've got uh, about Waysa Ajichkili, a ghost cat. So, um, my wife and I have been married for 18 years almost. So, uh, this, this, uh, phenomenon predates my, my marriage. So, uh, it was going on a couple of years before I met my, my wife. And, uh, what it is, uh, when, when you're in bed, uh, and it's random, late night, early morning, whichever one you want to call it, um, lay in bed and it just, it, it feels like something, you know, it's small, jumps up in the bed with you and you can feel it, the indentions in the bed as it's walking. Um, it, it, honestly, it feels just like a cat jumps up in the bed with you and, and walks up a little bit, you know, about midways of the bed and just plops down, just lays down. And that's all that ever happens. It's all it does. Uh, there's never been any noises or anything else associated with this. Um, I just remember finally telling my, my then girlfriend um, about it. Of course, I had to wait for to get to know her a little better, to know each other a little better. It's not really something you want to discuss on a, on a first date or uh, upon first meeting. But, you know, hey, I've got a ghost cat in my, in my room. But, uh, but yes, yeah, she, she has experienced this. And um, also we have a, our, our youngest son, he has, uh, has experienced this too, you know. Just, oh, it happens. And, then, oh, what the heck was that? You know, oh, it's, a, it's a ghost cat. Um, so that's all I can say uh, about this. Um, I just always associated it with a cat. Um, I don't know. I've never, I've never saw it or anything. But it's just, it's to me, it's always been this ghost cat. So that's that's good enough for me. You know, it's kind of uh, for people that have cats. You know, they they do those types of things, and it's completely random. You know, um, it does it on its own. There's no pattern to it. Or, you know, everybody with cats, you no know, cats are native. They they do everything on Indian time. They had no set schedule there at all. <laughs> so um, that's my story of Ghost Cat. So uh, thank you for listening. Mado, mado, mado. That was a good story. I like that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, Derek sent me some cool stuff, too. I think he sent it to y'all, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he was working. Uh, looks like in a warehouse or something, and he was filming around the warehouse, and he just happened to catch, like, this thing. I don't oh, even yeah, know what it is. That. It's, like, yeah. flying. 
um I, I like slowed it down and we were all looking at it and it looks like it's glimmering or something and mm-hmm. then it's like you almost see wings on it like it's but he's like i don't know what that was but it's it was a freaky video you know we're so far away that whatever it is is pretty big yeah and yeah the video i'll post a video on here too but yeah he sent it from the shop and this is i i told him i was like man i was like we think that is a possibly pterodactyl dactyl maybe or i said something else too um Oh, gargoyle. Mm-hmm. I was like, Dane, it might be a gargoyle, too. And he said, I don't know, man. He said, but I just saw it, and I pulled my phone out, and yeah. I got what I could of it. But it's so far away because, like, it's kind of pixelated because uh, it's, just, it's just a distance. But at that distance, you can still see how big it is. Yeah. The wingspan is just like, I don't know, maybe dragon. It was cool, though. So, yeah, my old Derek for sending that in. Keep them coming. We appreciate it. My Send us more, Derek. Whatever yes. you, if you see that thing again, man, if you can get a better, uh, more better video of it, man, let us, let us see it. <laughs> Tyler, read this. Oh, yes. What we got? <clears throat> this, do I say his name? Uh, no. No. Okay. Uh, it says, I was patrolling the Gray Horse Village in Fairfax, Oklahoma. We had reports of an oil-filled truck driving at high speeds through the village at all times of day. I happened to work nights, midnight shift. As the time dwindled down, I decided to head to that area and run my radar in attempts to control the issue. I set up in various areas, and as time went by, it wasn't until my last position when things started happening. I was in an abandoned driveway, hidden from the roadway. I heard something scratching my vehicle and so i looked looked out the window sorry uh and seeing a thunderstorm brewing towards the southern area of me and noticed a tree branch blowing in the winds i didn't think much more of it then and continued my watch again i heard this scratching sound but now it was on my rooftop i figured it was just a tree branch again so i didn't pay much more attention then it was above my head And then I jumped out of my vehicle and seen there was a bobcat on my roof. He saw me and he jumped off the other side and ran away. I chuckled to myself, clenching my chest like a joke. And I sat for a little long and I sat for a little longer and heard movement through the grass. And I thought he's coming back to crawl on my car again. So I turned on my flashlight, looked out the window and seen five sets of glowing green eyes. This spooked me. And I started my vehicle, drove up to the blacktop before I stopped and said, you know what? I have guns and knives. (laughs) I went back and parked again and heard noises again. And this time turned on my spotlight. It was a group of deer walking next to me and eating. And again, I chuckled and thought, well, it's the end of shift. Might as well head home. Once I got home, I ran inside and asked my brother-in-law who was awake getting ready for work to come look at my vehicle just to make sure I wasn't just seeing things. He did, and he said, Hey, did you see this? And I thought, Oh, man, he sees my prints from the bobcat. To my surprise, it wasn't bobcat prints, which it did have, but little hand prints like a toddler's hands. Now, mind you, I don't have kids around, and that would would fit that description. And I had just washed my vehicle prior to going on shift. And I grabbed my camera and fingerprint kit, to verify these prints the pics didn't come out for those prints 
but did for the paw prints. The handprint pics were distorted. Then I used the lift print kit and everything was looking good, just like I had been taught to do. And I started walking into my home when a thought popped in my head for some reason, uh, advising, you better look at that print before going in. So I did. And as I reached for my door, my doorknob, the card had gone completely black. I shredded it and threw it in the trash at that time. I went in and tried to rest before coming back to shift that night. I couldn't wait to tell the guys at our shift meeting about my crazy night and the handprint. Dang. Does it say Fairfax? Yeah, it says Fairfax. Is that where that green eyed is, Chris? Well, there, that in Pahuska. Okay. <clears throat> he said he saw like a bunch of green eyes. Can it be multiple? Mm. Really? Whoa. That's creepy. That's crazy, too. Like, he took the lift print and then it turned black. Mm hmm. Dang. That's. There are little handprints. Oh, that's creepy, man. I don't like that. Mm. Does that ever show itself like that? Most of the stories I hear uh, is just the eyes, you know, like like I said before, you know, it can show up in your car. It'll be on the side of the road, you know, in the bushes, you know, in the water. You know, it's like these eyes are just looking for, looking at you from different angles sometimes. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that might have been that was kind of an older one. So that might have been for our service people, oh, yeah. service uh where we called it, yeah, like tribal police and everything. So <clears throat> it might have been for that one. Um, I don't know if he wanted us to mention your name, but if you do, let us know or let me know, and I'll uh, I'll say it on the next episode or something. Uh, my first year, I I was in the red hall. It started with random noises. I just assumed were coming from people outside or in the hall. The harder to explain taps. And pounding noises that came from the wall behind my bed because it was the IT closet. Especially in the middle of the night. Still, I brushed those off as someone being in there. Then one night, I heard a flute playing low and soft, and it sounded like it was directly in my ear. It was sometime between 3 and 4 in the morning. My dorm was above uh, this person, I'm not going to say, was above this person. So in the morning, I asked him if it was him. He said no. It was always a joke that he played outside our window because he had a crush on my roommate. Again, I brushed it off as someone else or a vivid dream until I started seeing it. The first time I saw it, I was woken up to the sound of something hitting the wall behind my head. When I opened my eyes, it was standing over me, yellow like the sun. The features were soft and hard to make out, but it had long hair that was pulled back in a half ponytail, sunken eyes, a larger nose, and tight lips. I was startled and thought I must be still dreaming. I rubbed my eyes and it was gone. I didn't see it again until I drove to California for Thanksgiving break. It was about a 14-hour drive to my grandparents from campus, so I did a few hours in the dark before I stepped, before I stopped for the night. It wasn't back there... It wasn't back there consistently, but every few miles when I checked my rear view, I would see it sitting in my back seat. After that, the only time I would see it was in the back seat of my SUV when I was driving back and forth to campus during breaks. Until a Christmas break where it stood over my sister, she woke up to the same way I did at IA. In the morning, she started describing it exactly the same way I saw it. It didn't seem 
It didn't seem to want to harm me or her, so I just took it as a regular occurrence and got used to it. That is until my boyfriend at the time flew out to see me on campus. We were in my dorm, laying in bed, and there was a huge crashing noise behind the wall up against the IT closet. It was so violent that the heavy wardrobe of my wall shook forward and back. It was early enough in the evening that I could see if anyone in the common room knew what was going on, but no one heard anything, just me and my boyfriend. Uh, were the only ones to hear and witness it. I joked and said that whatever it was didn't like him, which might have been the truth. I saw it on and off my entire time at IA up until about a year after I graduated and moved back to Philly. It ended the way it began. I woke up to the soft, low sound of a flute in my ear and opened my eyes to a figure yellow as the sun standing over me. Mm. And then she just said, uh, great podcast guys i enjoy the show and keep it up but we went to i went to school there for a little bit uh any more people from i if you're listening send in those stories because i know i has a lot of always had a lot of crazy things happening and so oh we got one right now just kidding <laughs> <laughs> no i'm just kidding don't say my name <laughs> But yeah, uh, send send them in. Um, I would love to hear different people's experiences at IA. I know there's a lot, probably, maybe, hopefully. So if you're listening, send them in. Don't be afraid. My dough for that story. I enjoyed that quite a bit. <clears throat> this is the one that he wanted our opinion on it. It's kind of a short one. Okay. <clears throat> it says... Um, so basically, I was still kind of young, and I remember sitting in the back of the roundhouse, and our dancers came in, and everything was going beautifully until one of our girls, won't name any name, out of respect, started like dancing weird, and after a couple of minutes, stopped dancing altogether. And when we noticed one of the captains has walked over and asked her if she was all right, and she said yes. And it sounded like she was sobbing from what the captain was telling us. Anyways, after that song, we started up again. But this time, we noticed she started looking around like she was scared. Then after that, she started walking towards the fire. We all got scared, and everyone stopped. And the captains ran over and grabbed her before she walked in. And she started crying really loudly. They asked her what was wrong, and she told him that when we went into the rigging room that she saw something and that it was talking and whispering to her and eventually it said it possessed her and it made her walk towards that fire. From what I heard, she was not in the right headspace to be dancing, so she had to get herself right before dancing again. But after hearing that, I was scared and I always try my hardest to be okay when getting ready to dance. Let me give his name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it says his name is Wakia and I am from California. And he's Pomo. He says, thanks and love the podcast. And I also wanted to get your guys' opinions on it, if you guys know a lot about this stuff. Well, I sure appreciate, you know, sending that stuff in. You know, um, one thing people got to understand is, you know, there's a difference between these powwows and these ceremonial dances. You know, uh, I can't speak for everyone, but, you know, I know with us Muskogees, you know, those ceremonial songs have a lot of meaning. 
you know, there's a lot of medicine, you know, that's taken in these, uh, in these dances or in these ceremonies, you know, and I, and I know for a lot of other tribes, you know, you know, they talk about, you know, these ceremonies and the meaning behind these ceremonies and these dances. Now, with that being said, you know, I know a lot of people don't always adhere or or really believe or, or, or are serious about these ceremonies. You know, they, they're still thinking it's just kind of like a powwow. You just go out there to dance and, you know, but there's me- meaning behind a lot of these songs and a lot of these dances. You know, I know for uh, some of these... Uh, uh, southern tribes you know they have words in those songs that talk about you know whether it's uh a uh, war journey or, or healing or like a prayer you know and, and some of these uh songs you know they have uh mm, not necessarily warnings but they're they're t- giving you information you know and what i've been told from you know, there's 39 different tribes here in the state of Oklahoma. And only a few of them actually have their own ceremonies. And uh, I'll just say this much, you know, they, they always say that, you know, when you go into these kind of dance areas or arenas, as they might say, or the ceremonial grounds, you know, there was an old way of, of thinking of entering these things. You know, you had to get yourself right in the mind, body, and spirit. You know, uh, and with that being said, you know, if you weren't always in that right perspective, you allow other things to come in. And, you know, just like in this story, you know, I felt like, you know, he was saying that, you know, he felt like maybe she got possessed or, you know, maybe... You know, and, and that's definitely a possibility because, you know, on some of these ceremonial songs, it's talking about, you know, protecting ones from these negative forces. You know, and some of these songs talk about, you know, how to call upon the creator in, you know, certain ways and doing certain things. Now, with that being said, if you're 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 proclaiming or announcing these things and you don't mean it. Those negative things are standing by and listening. And if you don't have the faith, you know, you might as well just welcome them in. You know, because they're going to come in just to show that, you know, it's got power. That this 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 good one, you know, can be defeated. You know, and how he, he can defeat them is by taking you. You know, again, that's why they were always serious about that. Nowadays, that they they'll say those words, but they don't back those words up. You know, a long time ago, if you weren't right, they would ask you to sit down or to leave. You know, uh, but nowadays, you know, you go to these ceremonial dances, and it's very I don't know what you would say is lax a word, mm-hmm. you know, laid back more. They allow a lot of things in there that those old ones would not allow, you know. And the perspective back then was 
however you act you know you you can affect everyone within your tribe or within that ceremonial group you know so that's why it was important for you as an individual if you loved your family you loved your people you loved your community you would adhere to those rules because however you behave is what would act you know that's what would be put in motion and so you know from my understanding from this story you know maybe that was part of it because he already admitted that maybe she wasn't in the right mind and you're starting to play with these supernatural things they don't know you're playing they don't know or do they care especially if they're negative forces because they're there to to cause harm and everything like that so you're allowing them you're giving them power when you're not acting right when you're up there preaching when you shouldn't even be talking you know and that's you know that's not only in you know our ceremonial ways but in these church ways too you know if you aren't doing right then you shouldn't try to lead other people you know uh so i'll just say that much yeah we kind of discussed that too because i mentioned that to chris and i remember the discussion we had about what chris just talked about about having like an animosity or negativity or even like um drinking a lot i mean substance abuse and all that and how he how they spoke of back in the day that wasn't allowed you know and like he said sit down or leave you know and it makes a lot of sense because when even when we do like investigations like you tell us to like come correct like don't indulge in like anything crazy or don't have like any of these like uh, I don't know, hateful thoughts or anything like that because it can, they feed off of your energy. Yeah, those evil beings, that's what they want. You're giving them nourishment. Mm-hmm. You're giving them that power. And if you're weak, you know, maybe you're sad or or mourning or, or depressed, these things are going to have a heyday with you mm-hmm. when you come into their realm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I guess that's our opinion. Tyler, you got anything? Uh, no, I just know what, what Chris was saying, too. Like, you know, you got to come, you know, with a clean mind and a clean body. I know they'll tell you on a lot of the ceremonies, like, you know, no drink, no drug, no women for four days before, you know. And I've been to some ceremonies, too, where they'll make you wash off before you even step in in the ring. You know, they, you know, they, like I said, they want you, your mind, your body, your spirit all clean. Uh, but it's kind of funny, too, because it's like, you know, you could have a kind of a bad day or whatever, but then you go down, you know, to the ceremonial grounds or whatever. And almost like all that just goes away. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's it's a very welcoming. Um, it's very like, I don't know. It's just people are there. They all are there for the same reason. You know, I haven't had any negative experience ever, you know, down around there. So. I can speak from experience that, yeah, you got to come clean. Yeah. You know, on those ceremonies, I don't care whether it's these dancing ceremonies or, or taking medicine or, or these prayer services. You know, there was a lot of hard work in these ceremonies. 
and every bit of it, whether it's cooking, whether it's getting the camp ready, building the fire, hunting the medicine, making the medicine, there was etiquette all through that. And the main thing that you had to put in all of this is love. And we don't we don't we don't talk about that anymore. You know, we we want to be uh movie stars and we want to sound good and sound keen and look the best and judge everybody. But you know, you got to put those things away, you know, to get that true blessing, you know. I remember hearing those older ladies, you know, even talking about preparing the meal. You know, what you put in that meal is what everybody's going to ingest. If you have hate, you don't want to be there, you're miserable, then that negative goes into that food. People eat that negativity and it just feeds everything, you know. But if you go back and you say, I'm doing this for my loved ones, for the people that I care for. I'm going to make sure it tastes the best. I'm going to put everything. It may not be the best meal, but whatever you put, you put that love in there, that good feeling. When they eat it, they can't help but feel good. That helps the dancers. It helps the singers. It helps the people that are putting these camps together. You know, it, it's it's the foundation, you know, and everything's built on on top of one another. You know, and, and it, it carries in that good way. So, again, you know, even the little things that you think may not may be minute or aren't important, they are. Mm-hmm. It just makes sense. Like, that's just stuff I remember hearing. And then, like, my dad would help cook with, uh, I think, Larry Goodfox. Mm. And for, like, the meals and stuff or funerals and stuff. And I never heard, like, any bad things about it. He would just say, like. I got to get up in the morning and I got to go cook and he'd always feel good about it. Cause mm-hmm. like you're there, like you're preparing like something for that ceremony that we still had for that, mm-hmm. you know, that, that way of like that four day funeral type of thing for Pawnee. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to get too much into it, but it's still something we do right. Like to this day, mm-hmm. even those water carriers, whether it was mm-hmm. for a ceremony mm-hmm. or whether it was for church, you know, when they brought that water in, they would pray over that water, ask for good things, you know, in that water. So somebody might be thirsty, you know, they might be sick or they might be feeling bad or feeling sad or, or in mourning. When they drink that water, that, that prayer that you put into that water might help them, you know, and that water carrier, you know, had to live right too, right before whether it's church meeting or whether it was the ceremonial meetings, you know, what they put into that water, again, it's the same thing. You know, they got to put that love, got to put that spirit into that water. So whoever might need it will get what they need. Mm-hmm. Tyler. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was going to talk about that Mountain Dew he's drinking. No. <laughs> that sacred water. Yeah. <laughs> so 
He prayed over it. That's right. QT. <laughs> that way. <laughs> when he opened it up, it's like the creator whispering his name. Yeah. Tyler, Tyler. God. <laughs> Drink me. God. I guess we'll get into what we're going to talk about is uh, uh, aggressive spirits on this episode. Mm. Yeah. Something that Chris has a bit of an experience with. Yeah. Yeah, um, I told this story before. Um, I went to a house one time, and it was it was a uh, uh, getting fixed up. They were trying to sell it, but you know all the windows were boarded up. It was a pretty good sized house, and had upstairs. And when I walked in, you know, when I I shut the door, it was pitch pitch dark in there. And uh, as soon as I shut that door and I took a couple steps forward, you know, I felt like something hit me in the throat. I mean, punched me. I mean, because I felt it hard. And when it punched me in the throat, it made me step back. It made my eyes water, and it choked me up. And, you know, at first, you know, I, I knew it was an old house, you know, so I thought it might have been. Here in Oklahoma, we get these great big old locusts they're probably about i don't know two three inches big mm-hmm. and they got those real fast wings and they can fly and hit hard and you know it made me stumble back and i remember trying to catch my breath and kind of trying to figure out what's going on and i was looking around you know and i I started kind of swinging around because I thought, you know, again, it was maybe some of those locusts. And I felt like something hit me in the cheek. And then I felt something kind of grab me by my neck. And I could feel like those thumbs on my Adam's apple. And any of you guys wrestle or anything like that, you'll know that feeling. And again, I, I felt it and I started swinging my arms, you know. Trying to, if the, if it was someone that had me by the neck, you know, I was going to try to break that, that hold, you know, and I was swinging around and I felt like I hit something, you know, I felt my back of my hand, you know, kind of gray something and anyway, by the time, you know, I was able to kind of settle down, you know, and I, I got my phone off the ground and I put the lights up. There was nothing in that room, and I didn't hear anything else, you know, like run off. I went all through that house, and I didn't see one thing in there. You know, there wasn't nobody upstairs. There wasn't no one downstairs. There was no furniture. There was no bugs. There was nothing in there. And anyway, even to this day, you know, I can't say what it was but in my mind i knew that must have been a spirit Mm -hmm. and i remember leaving pretty quick after that and uh like i said uh it got me good but i'll be back one of these days (laughs) no i'm gonna go train i know it i'm gonna walk in that spirit world and sucker punch him (laughs) no (laughs) oh there he is i say what what the five fingers say to the face (laughs) no Was there any stories about that place before you? Yeah, um, the reason I was there was mm-hmm. because they were saying that you know during the remodeling p- 
portion of it, you know, a lot of the, uh, I don't know, like carpenters, I guess that's what you call them, people that fix up houses, you know, they all had experience, you know, something kind of scratching them up, slapping them around, you know. It was kind of a crazy story, you know, when I walked in there, you know, before I walked in there. And, you know, it ran off a lot of those, uh, what they call them, contractors, mm-hmm. you know. And it was hard for this uh, family to try to get it remodeled because it was always running people off. And <clears throat> so anyway, they asked me to come by and check it out. And I thought, well, that that's pretty cool, you know, go in there and check it out. But like I said, as soon as I walked in there, I mean, it, it started right off the bat. I mean, there was no hesitation. There was no trying to call nothing out or sitting there all night or anything. It, it stepped up and went went to town on me in there. But, you know, again, it don't know me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm a Skokie. <laughs> I know. I was, I was about ready to go back in there, boy. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> this episode is about aggress- aggressive spirits, you know. And there's tons of stories out there, you know, about these kind of spirits, you know. And, and uh, there's a lot of historical ones as well. You know, you can find a lot of information on this. One of the stories that I wanted to talk about, um, it's kind of a long story, and just for our listeners, I'm I'm going to kind of give you a word of warning. It is kind of, uh, how you say, a um, very aggressive story. So again, you know, uh, I'm giving that warning out right now you know about this story and uh, here it goes this uh this is told by uh, a daughter and it's about her mother and this is uh like uh mm, probably in early or late 1800s you know into the early 1900s you know you always hear about you know uh the trail of tears you know a lot of tribes were removed moved here to oklahoma and you know of course a lot of people lost their folks a lot of people were orphans when they got here you know and and when that happened you know they became wards of the state and sometimes they would get adopted out to white families or non-native families. And a lot of these families would really mistreat our Indian relatives like this. This is a very common story throughout Indian country. You know, uh, this uh, lady, you know, she was a little kid, her sister. They were adopted out to a non-native family. And uh, this family was, the the man of the house was, was very mean to these children, these two girls. And the wife was even worse. They would take out their hatred and their anger 
They would drink and take it out on those kids, these poor, defenseless Indian kids. You know, and just to make a long story short, they were very abused mentally, physically in this home. And uh, the youngest one died because of the abuse that was put on these two. And the older girl, you know, she was able to live, you know, and when she got old enough, um, she ran away. And um, she stayed away, you know, from these two. And uh, sooner or later, she got married. She married, uh, uh, I'll just say, a different tribe here in Oklahoma. And uh, anyway, to make a long story short, you know, she, they started beginning to have their own family. And, you know, that her husband was a hard worker. And, you know, he uh, he provided pretty good for them and their kids. And uh, they were living in a different area. And one day the, her uh, adopted father showed up. You know, he moved to that area. He uh, tried to get to know her and her children. And... Uh, the the wife or the mother this Indian woman you know, she's grown up now her husband was a hard worker like I said you know but he was also a a Christian you know and you know he believed in that good book and he started to you know that old man come around and um, she didn't want him around but her husband said, well, you know, we got to learn to forgive. You know, and yeah, he might have done horrible things to you, but, you know, you're grown now. You don't have to live underneath his roof. You know, and try to give him a chance. Maybe he might, maybe God might touch his heart. And she said, well, I will, but you got to promise me. If he comes over here and he acts up, that you're going to make him leave. And he goes, yeah, if he shows up here, I'll definitely defend you and the kids. You know, I won't have no problem. So, make a long story short, that old man came over. And, you know, uh, the husband went out and was, you know, tending to his chores, you know. and He wasn't too far from the house. He was like, you know, out in the front yard and. I guess that old man was, you know, starting to say some things to her, and, you know, uh, doing things to those children that, you know, she didn't like. So she automatically jumped on him, you know, and said, you know, I don't want you here anymore. You need to leave. You know, you're not welcome here no more. I had to put up with you when I was young, but this is my house now. And, of course... The husband outside heard the scuffling around, came in and jerked that old man out of that house. And they began to fight out in the yard. And 
anyway, he ran him off, ran that old man off. But unfortunately, you know, he had gotten some cuts, you know, in this altercation. Then sooner or later, they got infected and he died. Left this woman, you know, a widow. And uh, so she knew that old man was in that area. So she took her children and, you know, luckily, like I said, the husband provided pretty good, you know, and he, uh, you know, had squirreled some money away and they had, uh, you know, crops and they had uh, animals that they could sell, you know. And so she sold everything, even the property, and moved back kind of closer to her people that she got to know that she was older now and uh, she went off and hid she had enough money to kind of you know have a pretty good decent living and you know that way she can wash clothes and iron clothes for people and make a little money and stay hidden from him well sooner or later that old man found her again and uh, this was a few years after that major altercation. This time when he came around, you know, she wasn't having any of that. She wasn't even going to give him a chance to go around. They got into it. And uh, uh, anyway, make a long story short, you know, uh, he kind of scraped her up pretty good, you know, and. You know, there was uh, some bystanders coming by, and they saw the altercation. And anyway, uh, sent sent him away, but he had uh, knocked her down, and her back of her head, you know, had a hole in it, started to bleed. And uh, her oldest daughter, which is the one that's telling the story, you know. Uh, her mom always had this special scarf that her father had given her. <clears throat> and uh, she took that off her neck and tried to, you know, stop the bleeding. Tied it around her head, but, you know, it wasn't just going to be a matter of time for her to just bleed out. And <clears throat> She was telling the daughter that, you know, don't ever worry. She said, I'll always be around. I'll take care of you. You know, even when I step into that other world, I'll be there for you. You know, this isn't the last that we'll see each other. Then she passed. Of course, you know, they didn't have a whole lot of money, and that daughter was, wasn't that old, but she was old enough to, you know, to start work and, you know, start getting on her own and, taking care of her siblings you know and they buried that mom you know best way they could and you know that scarf was still wrapped around her head when they buried her and so with what her mom had left her you know she was scared that that old man was going to come and do something to them so they moved to a different location and of course you know 
sooner or later, it was, you know, a few years after this, uh, that uh, that old man was heard that he was in the area where they had made a new living. And um, she was worried. She was scared because she said it's just going to be a matter of time for him to find her. And maybe he might do something to her or her siblings. She was scared. But it wasn't too long after that. <clears throat> they said uh, they found that man. He was probably about five miles away in this field. Looked like he had set up camp. That he was sitting there. But. They found him dead. He was strangled. With a scarf around his neck. It was the same scarf. That was wrapped around her mother's head. And so. Again. You know. However you want to say. Aggressive. Vengeful. Or. What? You know, this lady believes that her mother came to her defense. Protective? Yes. I guess we could say, too. Mm-hmm. I never even thought of that. Mm. But I'd be vengeful, too. Right? Yeah. Because he... Yeah, well, he killed her. Mm. He caused that hole in the back of her head. Yep. So, yeah. I mean... Yeah, vengeful, aggressive, mm-hmm. protective, Tyler. Wow, yeah, that's I don't don't even know what to say after that. <laughs> that was a hard story to hear, you yeah. know, but that's something right mm-hmm. there, yeah. You ever watch Insidious? That movie yeah. Insidious? Is that what is that where they go? Like when they go in that Well, we watched one last night. They're calling it astral projection, but they're going into that. I don't know what they call it. I don't know if it's the same thing, spirit world or, but I think they, they made it out to seem like it's a place where I guess bad people would go and they relive what they did and their punishment is that. And that's where, wherever you go astral projection wise, that's where you end up, but you can't be there long and you can't leave too much of a trace because they're always wanting out of that place. And like you said before, I forgot what episode it was, but oh, it was dreams. Like when you dream, right? Mm. Your spirit kind of leaves you, but you're still open for yes. stuff to come in. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're right. That that they call it that spirit world. You know, there's there's no time and place there. Um, and sometimes in that spirit world, you know, I always tell you the ceremonial way. You know, there was never, never no forgiveness. You always had to pay for your crimes that you did on this world. You might have lived a good life and, you know, corrected things, you know, but if you didn't fully pay that price while you were alive, when you passed on, you had to, you know, take care of those things. You know, so however long it takes you to do that, then you're going to be there. So that's what they believed. Yeah, that made me think of a... Uh well, when you're telling your story about he felt those hands on you, like choking you. Mm-hmm. There's a scene in that movie. I've, I have to watch all of them again. But this is the most recent one I've seen where there's like a, an entity in that spirit world, I guess. And this girl who's with 
the guy that's projecting himself into that world she's watching him in our world but this thing cat like gets a hold of her and chokes her unconscious mm. and the guy that's in the spirit world i think he hears her scream like because you can still hear stuff in that world i guess is how they're portraying it but anyways he runs back and he sees whatever has been doing all this stuff he sees it fully and he's like he's got done like choking her unconscious and stuff and so he runs off and then he wakes up and so they just made me think of that when you were getting like choked mm. i was like dang i wonder what that looked like in that mm. space mm. or in that other type of world like what it actually was that was punching you knocked you out not just kidding <laughs> first of all you. first of all he ain't gonna knock me out no <laughs> embarrass you <laughs> all the other ghosts Doing are that. laughing man this fool god take that so, jersey off him damn <laughs> you're making me mad i'm getting ready to jump in the car and start driving over there Boy, what up no. <laughs> I just it reminds me of that little meme or that gif or whatever of like what it's like that roast or whatever. And they're like, what? oh like that and the guy's like oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's what all the, the spirits were doing. Doing right? a Dave Chappelle robot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's just like mm. There's Honka Hill. Yeah. Knock him out. <laughs> they're laughing at you on the see other if side. You could, see if you could beat him up. Yeah. Yeah. That spirit's like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> They're all laughing at you. I heard about him. That guy was just dirty. <laughs> Sucker punched me like that, boy. Show up in real life. No, honestly. Uh, I'm calling you out right now. You not hear here, me? Not no. here. Yeah. No. Somebody was breaking that table right here, right now. We're picking up that chair. We'll 3D him. That's right. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Busting at that elbow. The elbow drop. Yeah. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> Macho man. <laughs> Give him the sweet chin music. Dang. <laughs> Chris in the corner loading his boot. Yep. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> they made me do it. Yeah. <laughs> I love you. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> my next story you know um this is a individual you know uh uh they sent this story to me and um this is up north and um this is where they have caves and um anyway this tribe believes in these caves that there's a certain cave that that there's a a being in there that you know you can kind of go to and you can uh, leave offerings and you know if you need to I guess how you say witch somebody you go there and leave something leave something of that person you know and and ask it to do things you know and uh Anyway, supposedly in this area, you know, everybody kind of knows of this, this, this cave and where it's at. You know, the rule to this 
place though is you leave things in in plus the person's name or the the uh item whether it's a piece of hair or or one of their uh personal objects in that cave and that thing will go after them but uh again if you go up there you know you have to be respectful for one two you don't take nothing from that cave and this individual uh i guess it was her brother you know, he was kind of always, you know, kind of a squirrely guy. Wanted to always be tough and, you know, show that he ain't scared. And, you know, so he went up to that uh, cave. And uh, I guess somebody had did that to his friend, one of his friends, you know. He went up to that cave to see if that was for real. So he went up there and course he's seen that object of his friend in that cave of course he got mad you know and you know he started saying negative things in that cave and uh he began to defecate that cave you know because he was kind of angry you know that he felt like that thing came and took his friend so, you know, basically he was challenging it and, uh, you know, he defecated in that cave. And, uh, anyway, uh, he left and sooner or later, you know, he started to hear things, you know, outside his house, you know, he began to hear like uh, a big heavy horse walking around. He could hear those hoofs walking into the dirt, you know, around his house. And he could hear something outside. It was like crying. You know, it had an eerie cry. And it always come at night. It started out once a week, then a couple times of the week. And then pretty soon it was out there every night this went on for years and uh, then he began to hear things like it was trying to come into his home and he started to hear things at his work and anyway uh, he was telling his sister that and she's went and talked to her uncle and her uncle said you know he probably went up there and you know i know he went up there and did stuff because he was bragging about it you know and said he probably made that thing mad you know that thing's gonna come and take him you know and she said well it ain't taking him yet and of course the uncle said well it's it's working on him because you know he's complain about it every day now and so he needs to go do something about that you know uh, and go see somebody anyway make a long story short of course the brother didn't want to listen thought you know he was just having nervous breakdown or something like that and she said it kept getting worse and worse 
And it was literally making him go crazy. And then, uh, sooner or later, he killed himself. Mm. And so, again, I don't know if you would consider that like a vengeful spirit or what, but I don't know. Mm. Messing with him. <clears throat> Messing with that cave. Did you hear that beep? Yeah, I did hear that beep. Did you hear that? Mm-hmm. That was weird. What was it? <laughs> I don't know. When you're telling that story, just boop. Yeah. I've never heard that on this before. Yeah, that was weird. Dang. All right, yeah. we're done. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of the story. No, I wonder if I wasn't be... the only one that heard <clears throat> that. I, I thought it was be... your phone. No, my yeah. phone's over here. I didn't know what that was. Oh. I heard it. It was in our ears, though. Like yeah. It came from this recorder. I wonder if it'll be on the audio. That's what I'm, I'm, I want to look back and see if it's on there. Note that time. One minute and 13, 12 seconds or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, like I said, these are some pretty wicked stuff that we're getting ready to talk about. Yeah. So. yeah. All right. See you later. Uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, that was... Uh, that was surprising. I want to. I want to. I want to run that back. If I'll let you guys know if I hear it. Yeah, let me know. <laughs> that was weird, man. I've never heard that before in this. It was just like, beep. Yeah, it was weird. And I looked at you, but you were looking at him, and I was like, well, dang, maybe I'm tripping. No, I heard it. I was just. <laughs> yeah, I heard it too. I thought it was your phone, though. I thought. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I've heard our phones. I've never. Yeah. Made any noises like that, and it was yeah. in our ear, like directly in our ear. So. Yeah. I was like, dang, should I bring it up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, now you just conjured it. <laughs> yeah. uh, forget what I said? Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. But I like, it's a good story, though. <laughs> yeah. Was, yeah. Show disrespect, man. You don't take a dump in somebody's cave. Nope. My brother used to go around uh, talking to these schools, and one of the stories he used to tell was a creek story. And um, it's an old traditional story. And uh, it's about this uh, young boy. He didn't like to listen. And uh, anyway, make a long story short, you know, he got mad at his folks and ran off. But his loyal dog, uh, his dog was chief of all the dogs. He had had about 100 dogs under his command. He didn't want that little boy to run off in those woods by himself. And... uh, make a long story short so that dog that miko wanted to go with him to you know make sure he was all right but anyway that little boy just never wanted to listen and so that miko went with him was following him you know through the woods and stuff and trying to guide him you know in a good way and talk talk him into going back home and I kept telling him, so there's things out here you don't want to mess with. There's things that, you know, that could really hurt you. And he said, we're, we're with you, but, you know, we, we shouldn't have to fight unless we have to. And of course, you know, he kept saying, my, my mom and dad, they made me do all this. And they don't ever listen to me, you know. So I'm tired of it. Run away. I'm never going back. And, you know, of course, Miko tells him, says, you know, they love you. They're just trying to, you know, guide you in that good way, you know. Anyway, it's starting to get late, and they're way away from home. It's getting cold and dark, and uh, 
that little boy, Jabon's hungry. And uh, Miko said, well, let's, we can make it back home. You know, we turn around said, you'll be warm and food in your belly and you can sleep good. And he goes, no, I'm not going back. You know, again, didn't want to listen. Come upon this uh, old shack. Had the light on in there. So he sticks his head in there, looks around. Sees all these these war shields and spears and bows and all this keen stuff all over. Had a table. Had nothing but all kinds of food on that table. Huge fire in there. Warm fire. Many blankets in there. He's, he hollered, anybody in here? Anybody home? And of course, uh, nobody answers. So a little boy tells that. Miko said, yeah, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to eat. And I'm going to lay down by the fire. And when these people come home, I'm going to explain. You know, I'm traveling. and Maybe they'll let me stay. I don't know. Miko looks around. He goes, this isn't no house. This is a, a warrior's death memorial. He said, don't go in there. He said, stay out of there. He said, well, I'm, I'm tired and I'm cold and I'm hungry. I just want to rest. He said, that thing shouldn't worry. You know, it's not even alive. Of course, Miko tells him, said, don't do it. Don't do it. You know, anyway, little boy goes in. Plops down, starts eating, gets real full, and uh, curls by that fire, by the fireplace, and starts to lay down, go to sleep. Miko said, "We now that you got full, let's leave." He said that thing's gonna come, come here. It's gonna be mad. You in here? And he goes, "Oh, I ain't gonna worry about it." He goes, "All right." So he ordered all his dogs to sleep around this young man. You know, to be on guard. Anyway, that little boy goes to sleep. The story goes that later on in the night, he heard something big coming through those woods. And it stops. And it notices that they're in their home. By this time, Miko gets up, orders his dogs to be at attention, to get ready. It's going to be a battle. They know it. So he tells Chabon, he said, you know, that thing is outside. It knows you're in here. It's probably going to come in here. He said, we're going to try to hold it off, but you need to run home. You need to run home to your family while you can. We'll hold it here till best way we can. Pretty soon you hear those. Then it was right at the door. Miko says attack. First group of dogs. They go at it. Boy, they jump on that beast. They say it's a big old huge skeleton of a man. It just starts fighting. They start growling and biting. You hear bones crunching because that thing's grabbing those dogs and ripping them in two. And uh, 
Chabon just stands there and says, you know, I, I don't want to go home. And Miko says, you, you need to go home. You need to run now. You need to leave. So we're going to try to hold this thing off best way we can. You need to, you need to go now. And of course, he wouldn't listen. So by that time, he ordered another troop of dogs to go in there, take it on. So they jump on him. They're in there fighting tooth and nail. And they said it happens, you know, to his last troop. And Miko turns to him and says, you know, this is my last group of dogs. So we're going to take him on. So, but this is it. This is all we got. If you're going to go, go now. You know, for your own safety. And he just stands there. And it's too late. They can't do anything. They got to go and attack. So Mikos orders that attack. They go in. You know, you're hearing growling and biting and crunching and bones breaking. Miko jumps into that battle. Sun starts to come up. And pretty soon the sun rises. And it gets quiet. And the dust from the battle sets. And all those dogs, they're all torn up. All of them are dead except for Miko. And he's laying there, busted up. You know, all broken up. Chabon goes over there and kneels to him and begins to cry. You know, said, don't die on me. He said, you're, 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 you're family to me. He said, because you didn't listen to me, you know, my kind will never talk again to your kind. The moral to that story is, you know, you have to listen to your folks, you know, because, you know, something bad could happen. You know, somebody loves you enough to give you advice, sometimes you should take it or something bad will happen. That's the moral to that story. You know, again, Creeks, we got stories of these kind of spirits out there. You know, and, you know, that's an old story my brother goes around and, you know, tells. You know, of course, he tells a lot better and has more detail. And and uh, it's a beautiful story the way he tells it. You know, but again, we have stories just like that. What does Miko mean? And Chief. Is, oh, Chief, okay. Mm. Man. See Tyler, I see how, oh, I, I, I want to get he yes he, he told me he had some CDs. I need to get those off you or off. He said he's supposed to send them with you, but I, yeah, he's got a lot of stuff. I I don't get to see him that often because he's always doing shows somewhere yeah. and stuff. Yeah. But I know uh, if you can get a hold of him, yeah, yeah, he should be able to get you some. Yeah. Uh, I'll try to swing by and he always tells me he's gonna give me some, but he never does. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, he always says, I just gave my last copy to so-and-so. But, yeah. you know, all those stories, they're real traditional stories, which I'm shocked, you know. You know, I know a lot of people think he just goes to these schools, but, you know, he he's the only one I know that has a lot of those, still mm-hmm. those traditional stories. And when he, once he goes, they're going to be gone forever. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to get as many of those down as we can, you know, while he's still with us. Like like I said, I know I emailed him a couple of times, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll send some with Chris." 
Or he's like, oh, just give me your address. I was like, how would I owe you? Oh, don't worry about it. I'll catch up with you, you know. Send him my address. And I sit there waiting by the mailbox, you know. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> them ghost CDs. Man. <laughs> yeah, no, he, I'm just kidding. He's got a lot of them, a lot of those kind of stories. And, man, I always like hearing them. You know, I just wish I would know all those stories like that. But, you yeah. know, I only know just a few. And a lot of times I'll go to him to ask him, you know, about, you know, like some of the topics that we talk about, you know. And, you know, because I know him and my other brother, they're the only ones I know that know those kind of stories. You know, and they, they grew up with my grandparents, you know. And they were old enough to understand those stories mm -hmm. and catch those stories. You know, I was always a little chicken head running around. <laughs> Not, I was like that spawn in that story. I don't want to listen. Just be acting up. So that's awesome. I like that story. Yeah, that's a good one. I don't think I've, ever, I've. I don't think I've ever heard that one. That's a new one. Yeah, that's. That was probably my favorite one uh, growing up, hearing that. Because, I mean, it, you know, you talk about those little houses that that you see at our at our uh, cemeteries. Yeah. That's what those are, and it has a lot of meaning. Yeah. And in that story, the full story, you get why they do those. Yeah. And so, but those stories are super long, though. Yeah. yeah. So they got a lot of information in them. And uh, even like, uh, kind of like those uh, spirit plates. You know, that whole table was meant for that spirit. Yeah. You know, and and those gifts. You know, and each one of them had a meaning. You know, again, my brother knows that all those details of what each dish meant. Yeah. What each item in that house was for. You know, and. You know, again, that's that stuff. Even I, I need to know. You know, but you know, one of these days, hopefully, I'll get to sit down and visit with him again and try to catch that stuff myself. Maybe he will give me that CD one of these days. <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> he ain't gonna give it to you. <laughs> Just teasing me with yeah. it. So you should have been. You should have sat down and listened when you had a chance. Yeah, that's what they always tell me. Yeah. <clears throat> Now you want to know. I oh, know. Now you want to know. So. Yeah, now you want to listen. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Chabon. <laughs> sit down. Does he have a lot of CDs? Or he used to have a lot of CDs and videos, but he told I, me he had three. He's hmm. like, I got about three. I said, Well, I want them. Hmm. And then, well, I'll send them with Chris. He he used to have. Well, he used to have some on. You know, some of the. Uh, I don't know how you say like the spirit animals mm -hmm. and our uh, herbal spirits, mm -hmm. and there were some several other ones that he had. <laughs> Again, I you know I should have listened when I had an opportunity, you know, for my folks and grandparents. But mm -hmm. again, I was the youngest, and when you're the youngest, you just don't you don't think things like Never that. Had. Yeah, you just. You just want candy, and <laughs> you want what you want. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, those kind of stories, man, those are amazing stories. You know, he, he brings them to life. Mm -hmm. they're, they're great. So, but uh, anyway, you know, we're we're talking about, you know, vengeful, vengeful, regressive spirits, you know. 
again, long time ago, you know, um, natives sometimes, and this wasn't just a creek thing, this was across the board, you know, they used to, maybe their most, uh, how you say, precious item or belonging, you know, maybe they knew they were going to die, maybe they didn't want no one else to have these, and they would put this medicine on it you know every tribe had this like i said you know and they would bury it and they would put that incantation on it and it would be protected that item would be protected by this medicine you know that they put on there and sometimes you know a lot of times you'll hear these stories about you know they they'd put snakes these spirit snakes to guard these items or they would uh, have these spirit horses come trample you if you even got close to it, you know, or mm-hmm. or a combination of the two. Or they would put, you know, other things like where these ravens would haunt you and pick out your eyes, you know, kind of medicines, these spirits. Now, these are all spirit animals. They're not actual a- animals. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the creeks were good about that, too, if they had something you know i've always heard you know these old time indians you know these these older ones you know especially around when we came here to oklahoma in you know late 1800s you know some of them put their family medicine every family had their own set of medicine songs now, when I say songs, I shouldn't say songs. I should say incantations. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, these belong to these families, you know, for certain things. You know, they were, every family had a certain set of, of medicine that they would utilize. And it was for them, you know. And so sometimes maybe, you know, because of the Trail of Tears was so rough, they didn't have any other family members and they didn't want other families to get this mm-hmm. and use it on their family. So they would put it away like that right before they pass away. You know, maybe they getting up in age and they said, I'm going to bury this and I'm going to put this here. So once I pass on, nobody can ever have it. Mm-hmm. You know, they would do that. And then I think in the, I guess in the thirties and forties, you know, a lot of them would have uh, like little money, I guess, or uh, titles to land or something like that. You know, they would they were knew th- knew that they were getting ready to pass. So again, they would bury it and put that incantation on that. You know, or they would have something else that maybe maybe uh, you know uh, a certain pipe or you know. Uh, when I talk about pipe, I'm talking about that smoking pipe, that medicine mm. pipe, or, you know, because they didn't feel like nobody, you know, if they gave it to the next generation, it would, wouldn't help them, it would curse them. Mm-hmm. So instead of putting them through that, they would, they would bury it. And there's a lot of tribes you hear that do that. They call them medicine bundles, mm-hmm. you know, and they would put those, those things away and the things that would guard those uh 
those items would be either animal spirits or old warriors that they would name to mm -hmm. guard those things. And if you got close to it, you know, that thing would, you know, torment you or run you off. Or if you got it, it would just make you so miserable that you're you're going to go and put it back. Mm -hmm. So those are some of those old I guess what you would call vengeful, vengeful type ghosts or protective ghosts, I guess. I don't know what you would call those. Yeah, yeah. I got sick from one of those mm. bundles. Mm. I think it's because I guess it wasn't part of my family's, I guess, because mm. we had different bundles. Each band and family had their own bundles and stuff, but it's this museum in Nebraska and it was when I helped build that Earth Lodge back in 2010. And then me and Zach went to, um, man, I couldn't even tell you where this museum was, but it's out in the middle of nowhere in those cornfields. And it kind of looked like the roundhouse in Pawnee, but I guess like they built this um, museum over an Earth Lodge ground. And so when you go in there, like it's the original ground of an Earth Lodge, and but they have just paintings and history and they have bundles in there and i remember they i think they had three in there they had one that was like i mean just covered up and whatever whatever they covered it up with but there was one i looked at all of them because they're just hanging up in this uh plastic case and there's lights on them and so i remember i looked at all of them and there was the last one i looked at man it was uh I didn't really feel anything on any of them until like I went to that last one and I remember just standing there and I was like watching it and I was looking at it and I swear it just got to a point where it was like moving like it looked like it was breathing mm. and it was like taking in air and blowing or like pushing it out and it like a heartbeat or something was inside of it and it like it it wasn't like super noticeable, but I could see it when I was looking at it and I didn't know what to think. I mean, I was like 21, maybe 20. I know too much about our bundles and history and stuff like that, but I just remember like watching it and then I don't know. I just got this sickness, sick feeling like, and I had to throw up and we were on the road all day, so we didn't eat anything or hardly drink anything. And so I just remember like running to the bathroom and I threw up like acid, I guess. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I threw whatever, I don't know, whatever I was feeling sick from, I threw it up in the bathroom and it kind of freaked me out. And I remember like I went to Zach and I was like, I think we got to go, dude. I was like, and I was like sweating and I just felt awful. And I told him what happened and I was like, man, I was like, I don't know, dude. I was like, I told him that story and he just said like, he said, yeah, he's like, I don't know. He's like, I don't know either at that time. I'm sure he knows now, but from what I understood back then, it was like, it probably just wasn't a part of your family. So maybe it felt a certain way, like threatened towards me or something, mm -hmm. but still like I saw it almost like breathing, like it was alive. Mm. And so there was somebody else that had that same experience too with another type of bundle, but they didn't get sick. They just, they swear up and down. It was like just breathing, like, 
like a heart was in there or something. Dang. And so I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, I always remember that time. And I, I was like, uh, I don't know. I just put it as like, it probably wasn't my family's or anything. And it was just, maybe it was just protecting itself. Maybe whatever was guarding it too. Mm. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. You never know, especially, you know, like I said, I know there's a lot of tribes that did that, you know, for whatever reason. I know, um, I'll just say this much. It was around in that Portland area. They have a, I guess, a hill off in that area where I think it was 27 nations buried their bundle on that hill uh, because, you know, again, a lot of them were, you know, very few in numbers and some of them just knew it was coming that time where they had to put those bundles away. And, you know, I know there's a lot of tribes out there that have, have done that, you know. and But that place that I'm referring to right now i mean when you go to that place like you were saying you know you can just feel it it's just you know that's old medicine when they when they lived right when they knew those things when they did things right you know and you know you can't help but just get that energy off of those those things and that that hill that i'm talking about man it was like electricity going all through your body when you went there Mm -hmm. and it was it was just an amazing place you know and i i was shocked because that was the first time i ever heard that you know these tribes you know growing up around creeks you know I, i never even fathomed of that happening but you know coming to understand Native American history, you know, some of them, they did that for a good cause, you know, and I can understand that now that I'm older, but when I was young, you know, I just, I couldn't understand why they would do such a thing, but, you know, again, you know, that happened, and I know that happened, and, and, um, you know, again, that's, that's, that's kind of a, a situation where you know i always say there's good and there's bad this is kind of the part where it's kind of good you know to protect mm-hmm. those things that really need to be protected so mm-hmm. you know i'll just say that much on those so everybody know where to follow you guys you can follow me on uh instagram tiktok and youtube at christopher honka hill and on facebook it's christopher hill mud yeah, you can follow me at Tyler Randall on Facebook. You can also follow me at Skoden underscore cinema. And I also have Pump Action underscore podcast on Instagram as well. Yes, go follow them. Keep up with them. And check me out at Okie Podcast at Russell 49 Add me on Facebook, Russell Sun Eagle. And check us out wherever Spirit Talkers Podcast, wherever I'd say Google us and you would find us. So till next time, everybody. Smudge on up. Be safe out there. And listen. Listen to (laughs) what that story Chris said. Always listen to people that know more than you. Hmm. Bye.